The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation He provides for all who submit to Him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. What's up, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in to The Way BK podcast. Um, we're continuing talking about the book of Acts, the continuation of the Jesus story, the unveiling of the kingdom of God and uh, God's work through His through the followers of Jesus. And it's been pretty exciting and pretty fun. There's a lot of cool stuff for us to learn and a lot of things that challenge our whole view of Christianity in general. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit at the very end. We're just going to cover a few verses actually today looking at the culture of the kingdom in Acts 2 verses 42 through 47. Well, how did they live? What were they doing? Luke kind of gives us this snapshot portrait of the the daily life of the church and how they lived life together and how they lived life for the Lord and all that kind of stuff. So that's what we're going to explore. Before we jump in, just a couple of reminders. Uh, if there's anything we can do for you, if we can help you in any way in your walk with the Lord, we want to. We're not recording this for fun or to be able to download ourselves and listen to ourselves talk or whatever. We want to help. And so especially if you're here in Brooklyn, Reach out to us. You can find us uh, on the web at thewaybk.com. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook page for The Way BK. Um, and also we have a YouTube channel uh, for The Way BK. Contact us any of those ways. We want to connect with you. We want to be able to help you in any way we can. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. Uh, we appreciate what the Lord's done for us, and we like to share that with anyone that we can. So please let us know how we can do that. And if you have some questions, if there are things we say, you're like, I don't know about that, or what about this, or how does this work, send us in questions. Uh, if you have any disagreement, we don't, we're don't. we not bothered by that. That's fine. We're ready to talk either uh, via email or text or phone or meeting in person, whatever you want to do, we can do that. Uh, we'd be happy to. But today, let's, let's get to it. So Caleb, this in part portion of Acts 2, the setup here is Jesus has gone back to heaven. He's told the apostles, y'all wait, I'm going to send the Spirit. He's going to empower you to preach the gospel. They did that. They preached the King Jesus gospel. People were baptized. People have been saved. Lives are changing. But what's it like whenever you actually give your life over to Jesus the King and you become a part of his kingdom? What does it actually look like in practical terms to live in this kingdom? Well, so one of the things that Luke really stresses is um, that joining the kingdom of God is, is joining a family, right? Mm. I mean, it is, it's, a, it's a family atmosphere all throughout this book. Um, and we've seen this already in the book, um, an emphasis on a togetherness. Mm-hmm. Uh, in chapter 1, Jesus gathers them together in verse 4. Um, it talks about in chapter 1 and verse 6 where when they had come together and in verse 14 they were all joined together constantly in prayer. Um, verse 15 mentions that there's 120 people gathering together. Um, then verse 26 when they decide um, who the new apostle is they voted together um, and decided on it. Um, chapter 2 and verse 1 they're all together in one place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now in chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, again, there's a huge emphasis on the disciples being together. Verse 44, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Um, so just big picture. First thing I, I think it's important for us to see is 
that to join the kingdom of God is not an individual decision that I make between me and God and stays private and separate from everybody else. Like, because I think that's the way as Americans, I think we kind of, you know, we have this independent spirit um, and this tendency to want to view, and I don't think that's unique to Americans, but uh, we have this tendency to want to view our relationship with God uh, or compartmentalize it as, I, that, you know, my relationship with the Lord is between me and God and no one else. Um, you don't get any picture of that from the book of Acts. Like, you will not see that in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, the disciples are together, and they are with one another. And I think the reason for that is what you see in Acts 2, 42 to 47 is a picture of what it really means to love each other. Like, And that's really the goal of the kingdom of God, right? The goal of the kingdom of God is to bring humans back into perfect harmony with God, their creator, like it was in the garden, but also with each other, right? God created Eve um, to be with Adam because it wasn't good for man to be alone, and God wanted man to be able to experience this love, this this fellowship um, that God has experienced, that God the Father, the Son, Spirit have been experiencing since the beginning of time. And so part of becoming uh, a part of God's kingdom is really learning to love one another and the only way that happens is when the church comes together you spend you learn to live with one another and for one another that, that's a pretty good definition of fellowship and what it what it is that you see here in 42 to 47 um, that word's not used a lot in uh, in in acts but the idea is all throughout acts of this kind of sharing the disciples are living together they're living with one another and they're living for one another when you say that word, you just want the word fellowship, right? Right, right. And which is helpful because a lot of times people think of the word fellowship as we all had lunch together, we fellowshiped. We may have, right? You may, or you may have just had lunch together, which is cool. Like, that's a good thing to do too, but you're bringing out that fellowship is a little bit of a richer... Con- I mean, how, how would you define that? Is it just that idea of sharing your life together in a more... Con- I don't, I don't, how would you define that? Because I think that's a, a religious word that gets thrown around a lot. But in some ways, it doesn't mean much to a lot of people. Yeah, so the word just means sharing. Um, but it's sharing everything, right? I mean, it's you see here um, that they are, they're all together and they had all things in common. Yeah. Um, in chapter 4, we're going to see um, in the next picture kind of glimpse of the church and what it looks like. It says that uh, in chapter 4 and verse 32 that the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Um, there was not a needy person among them, verse 34, for as many were owners of land and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. So, um, so fellowship is, is, is just uh, a, a choice to live life together, um, to learn to not think only about me, but to learn to think about others and the needs of others and to consider others more important uh, than ourselves. I mean, I, I kind of picture this as the Acts is giving us a snapshot of what it looks like when a person loves God with all their heart and then loves their neighbor as themselves. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a beautiful picture of that. Um, you learn to spend you learn to to spend time with people. 
You learn to break bread with people. You learn to pray with people. You learn to devote yourself to the Word with people. And you learn to just live with people and, and, and choose to, uh, to, to, to do whatever is necessary to help uh, the people that I'm with in my community um, to love the Lord and to do His will. Which everybody kind of does, right? Like some people, it's their job. Mm-hmm. They're in fellowship. Like, hey, we got this product that we're trying to push out, or we got these projects we're trying to fulfill, or whatever it may be, and we're devoting ourselves deeply to whatever it takes, and we're texting each other, emailing each other, and our even in our non-work time, whenever we're sitting around at you know dinner parties or whatever, we're talking about work stuff. Um, families do this with each other. Like parents are in fellowship with uh, you know their kids, or a husband and wife are in fellowship with their financial goals, or their, even their travel goals. I mean, we don't think about it in those terms because it just seems like, quote-unquote, normal life or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're pointing out is we've got to have this sense of bondedness and commitment to our fellow kingdom citizens, understanding, like, this is what our life is all about. Like, mm-hmm. We're working toward promoting the gospel of the king. We're working toward growing into the image of the king. We're working toward the love of God, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. That's what our life is all about. And so if that's what my life is all about, then I'm going to try to find others. Well, really, as a human being, whatever my life is all about, I'm going to naturally try to find others who are also into that thing. And so fellowship is kind of a good indicator of how committed I'm going to be to, uh, to the cause. And it is interesting, right? I mean, we're even seeing this in New York. Um, businesses have changed a lot in kind of the way they approach uh, jobs today. Uh, a lot of you know new startups and companies um, try to work in such a way that they get their workers together, right? Not just it's like for, community building. Right, it is very much so. Like like we're gonna have breakfast together. Come in the office and we'll eat together. You know, you can cook your own food and we can enjoy breakfast. And then after work is over, we're going to have sponsored parties and we're going to have, you know, <laughs> socials and we're going to do all these things so that you can kind of develop this fellowship. Because, and I think the reason for that, I mean, we know this, right? New York is uh, one of the most crowded cities in, uh, in the world, but also one of the loneliest cities. Like, I mean, people are, even though there's such incredible density here, people are so lonely. Um, and, and people are picking up on that in the world and saying, hey, we need to have like a more of a family atmosphere because everybody everybody longs for that everybody desires that yeah. what's different about this is um you know any any worldly community uh any worldly fellowship um is at some point going to end you know you're going to switch jobs you're going to move you know people are going to move away and people this is a very transient city right so people are here and then they go and uh in those the, that communion is broken what God is promising is is a is an everlasting kingdom so it's an everlasting family this is a this is a family that, that you're never going to lose it's a these are relationships that will last for eternity and that way it's a much greater um, it's a much greater fellowship uh, than than anything this world can offer no matter how great those relationships may be um, yeah which makes sense as to why this may be shifting a little bit off the fellowship thing maybe a little more specific but them making these extreme sacrifices. That's one thing that jumps out off the pages. Yeah, yeah. They're literally selling stuff. Right. It's not just like, oh, I got some extra cash. Here you go. It's, you know what? I don't have extra cash. But if you're in need, I will sell some of my own possessions and I'll give you whatever you need. Or right. I'll have you come live in my home. Or I'll whatever. Because they understood they were part of something bigger and more lasting and more significant than 
the land they owned or the house they had or the possessions they had, that stuff didn't matter as much because they knew they had a greater possession, a more lasting one through the kingdom. They're looking for a city whose builder and foundation is from God, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's, and I think that's right. I mean, and if you don't, if you don't get that, then you won't, you won't live like this, right? right? I mean, if, if I, if I, if I really don't, if I don't believe that there's a much better communion coming where I'm going to be reunited with the Lord and with all his people, then I'm not going to make these kind of extreme sacrifices. But if I really do truly believe that, then it's going to lead me to think differently about my possessions. Like the things that I have here, I'm not really attached to in mm. the same way because um, I'm looking for treasures in heaven. I'm looking for the treasure of being with God and being with his people. Um, and that's one of the things, like, you know, one of the key changes right away for these disciples is uh, immediately it's clear that people are far more important than their possessions. Mm-hmm. Like, their relationships mean more than any, uh, any real treasure they owned. Um, and so th- those things are quickly dis- uh, given up, sold, and shared uh, so, that, so that the needs of, of the people could be taken care of. Um, yeah. So what do you? So um, I'm looking at the list, especially in verses 43 and following. There's probably some stuff in 42 to touch on. And actually, this is one thing. What what is going on? What do you make of the fact that in 46, after John selling stuff, it says they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. But he already mentions in verse 42 that they were breaking bread. So why the redundancy on that? Like, in none of the other things listed in forty two get repeated, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. Maybe the fellowship gets explained a little bit, as you pointed out, but doesn't get repeated. Whereas this breaking of bread, you got forty two. They were breaking bread, and then again breaking bread. So why is that such a big deal, or what's going on with the repetition there of that phrase? Yeah. So I think haven't we seen that already in the in the book of Luke? We've seen places where. Um, like in Luke 22, where Jesus will use this phrase "breaking bread" um, in reference to uh, the Last Supper, uh, the Lord's Supper. There uh-huh. um, in Luke 22 and verse, what is that? Verse uh, 19, um, where he takes some bread, give thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, "This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me." And then, um, and then. We'll also see in in Luke uh, 24, for example, one place is in uh, Luke 24, where Jesus is um, breaking bread again with them, and this time it's uh, it's in upper room, starting in verse 36, um, down through 43, and uh, and and uh, and when Jesus is breaking bread with them, then it's not uh, it's not actually sorry, verse 35. Um, the breaking of the bread in Luke 24 and verse 35. He was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. There is not a reference to the Lord's Supper. It's just a common meal. I think, I think that's what Luke is doing here in Acts 2. Um, in, in verse 42, he's kind of talking about the spiritual disciplines that the saints will continue in um, and that, that build them up. I mean, think about this. Like, um, these are new Christians, um, you know, the, who have just been converted to Christ and they've just come to know the Lord. Um, I think if you were to ask them, like, hey, what is, what is, you know, Jesus teach about this? Or what is, what does Jesus want from us? How does Jesus want us to live in there? Like, a lot of these guys don't know. They, they know Jesus is king. They know yeah. Jesus is Lord. They don't know a whole lot more than that. Right. Um, some of these guys hadn't really followed Jesus until now. 
And so they start devoting themselves to these because these are the things that are going to grow them up. Um, you know, they they're not they're not just trying to they're not just trying to like get a get out of jail free card here, like where it's like, hey, I need my forgiveness of sins and I'm good. Let me live my life the way I want to live. They realize that that to become a disciple is to enter into a kingdom, which means everything about my life is going to change. And so one of the things that they're devoting themselves to is uh, the Lord's Supper. They're coming together, and, and the saints, and we know from uh, both from Scripture and from, uh, from early history that the saints were coming together all the time, uh, every week, for the purpose of taking the Lord's Supper together and remembering Jesus' death. Um, and, and remembering his resurrection and celebrating that on a weekly basis. Um, but then also you see uh, day by day, right? Verse 46, day by day. They're in the temple together. They're breaking bread in their homes together. Um, they're coming together at the hours of prayer. We'll see that in chapter 3 and verse 1 uh, in the temple to pray together. But then there's, you know, and I, I like to think about it this way, you know, there's, there's a lot of people. They couldn't all fit in everybody's house, so at some point they're they're together in the temple where they have like you know, larger gatherings, and then and then throughout the week they're also day by day in each other's homes, spending time together because this is their new family, like mm-hmm. this is their new community, and so they're together doing the things that are going to help them grow up into the image of Christ, into these disciples. They're that are going to help these disciples become like their teacher, um, and in order to do that. We got to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. I got to learn what it is that Jesus was teaching his disciples. If a disciple um, needs training and needs teaching, he's going to have to listen to uh, the teacher. So, so starting out, they're beginning by devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. But then they're also spending time with one another, and they're breaking bread together, and they're devoting themselves to the prayers. They're spending time together in prayer with one another. Um, so that they can grow up into this fellowship or this community that loves God, loves each other, and helps one another to uh, to do God's will. So, so just to make sure, I'm the the two breaks of bread are two different ones entirely. I think one so. is a more vertically oriented, the Lord's Supper that First Corinthians mm-hmm. eleven and other passages highlight this remembrance of Jesus. The other breaking of bread is just more or less share our lives together, sitting around a table, talking about life, laughing, joking, whatever is going on. Two different kind of uh, types of breaking of bread, in other words. Yeah. And I think, I, I mean, you see in the scripture and you see this in real life, both are important, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, uh, you know, which is more which is more important? The time that we spend with the church when the whole church comes together or the time that we spend uh, day by day in each other's homes? Like, which is more important? I don't know that the Bible says one is more important than the other. There's an emphasis on both. There's an emphasis on encouraging one another day by day. There's an emphasis on coming together when the church comes together, right? And both are important because they're drawing us closer to God by, by one, remembering the great things that God has done. That's what happens when we come together for the Lord's Supper, right? We're, we're having our minds renewed with the great things God did for us through Jesus on the cross and in raising him up from the dead. But then also, like, the practical application of that means that I'm going to spend time with people and I'm going to learn about them and I'm going to learn how I can help them and how I can build them up and how I can serve them and how I can love them. And that happens uh, not just when we're together with full assembly. That happens when we're, when we're together one-on-one one, one on one or in small groups where we're learning about each other and we're spending time together. Uh, with one another. So I think both of those things you're seeing in the early church were very important to the growth and the um, 
the flourishing of the spiritual family. And I think um, giving attention to just one or the other today is going to be harmful. We really need to emphasize the importance of both of those things in building up the people of God. Yeah. So, I mean, talk some more about verse 42. I mean, it is striking that it's kind of like here's the starting point. Well, the starting point was repentance and faith and believing in Jesus, baptism, salvation, all that. But once you become a member of the kingdom, there's this kind of summation in verse 42 of, as you pointed out, these spiritual disciplines that kind of are the groundwork that the culture of the kingdom is built on. Mm-hmm. And really all the, as we talked about, all the fellowship and togetherness that was built on their shared faith and devotion to Christ and all that. Right. And it seems to me, verse 42 kind of says, hey, here's, here's how they stayed devoted. Here's what kept them grounded in Jesus, in their devotion to him. I don't know, like, what do you see? Or uh, I guess we've already talked about fellowship a good bit, but of the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, we're saying, and to prayers, um, what do you see are some of the things that people need to think about if they're trying to follow Jesus? I don't know. I mean, just riff on that a little bit. What do you see that's pretty important for people to think about in verse 42? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is, um, if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, uh, I have to learn to devote myself to the, to the Word. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, we have the Apostles' teaching today. Um, and we're, we're blessed to have it in, in the Word form. And, uh, and, and I can't grow, I can't mature if, I'm, if I don't learn to feed on the Word of God. Um, that is, like, step one. I mean, in any relationship, right, there's two parts. There's the listening, and then there's the talking. And that's what I see in the Apostles' teaching and prayers. Like, uh, for me to grow in my relationship with God, I've got to devote myself to the apostles' teaching and to the prayers. Like God wants us to listen carefully to his words, mm-hmm. and he wants us also to talk back to him. Um, and I'll just say, too, I, I think that's important to, uh, this first one, devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching, important to do um, on your own and with a group. Uh, like I get the impression that they're, that they're doing this, they're devoting themselves to the word, but, but they're not just doing it on their own, they're also doing it with, other pe- with each other. And I think that's important. Um, I need to be in the Word on my own because that protects me from false teachers, from people out there who may be leading me astray. If, somebody's, if, I, if all I do is read things about the Bible or listen to people tell me things about the Bible, listen to preachers. Or show up to group Bible studies yeah. and listen to people pool their ignorance. Right. Yeah, if that's all I do, um, then... I could easily be drawn astray. I could easily distort truth. I could because I'm not reading it carefully for myself. Yeah. I need to test what's being what I'm hearing said with the word uh, that I'm reading for myself. On the flip side, uh, I think a lot of people would prefer you know to just read the Bible on their own. Like me, it's just between me and God. Let me read on my own, and I'll I'll study my Bible on my own. You know, I hear a lot of people uh, talk to about the Lord. Um, who say, you know, uh, yeah, I'm spiritual, I love God, I read the Bible, of course I read the Bible, you know, but that's it, like, and, and that too is dangerous, um, you know, the, the Bible teaches us that the heart is deceptive above all else, and if, if I isolate myself and I say, well, it's just going to be between me and God, I can read the Bible alone, I can learn my own, well, that may be true, but actually God has designed us as communal beings, and actually there, there's, there's, likely going to be some things in my own character and in my own heart that at least will be hard for me to recognize on my own 
if I never spend time with other people. When I come into groups with other people, it provides opportunities for, for the Lord to reveal things to me that maybe because of my own sin, I'm just blinded to and I'm not seeing clearly, but other people see them. Um, and, and that may be true about flaws within my own, within my own self, or um, it may be true about flaws within my own understanding of who God is. Right. Uh, that, 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 that when I come into a group, people are able to, to, through their own insight and their own study of the scriptures, they're able to shed light on that that helps me to grow. And so I think, again, balance here, spending time daily in the Word on my own, but also trying to regularly spend time in the Word with other people is a really important part of learning to know God, the true God, and actually uh, learning to understand His will. Yeah. And I think adding on another layer, I mean, at least what I'm hearing you say is more of when you're sitting down with a group of people who are devoted to Christ and they're, you know, et cetera, that will expose you to problems you may have in your character, right? You're, you're not seeing something about, uh, you didn't notice the passage about patience or about courage or about holiness because you got those problems. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of naturally a little averse from paying attention to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just doctrinally, it, you know, you hear the gospel of Jesus, you understand, uh, well, maybe a good example, you hear the preaching about Jesus and you're, you read First Peter 3, baptism now saves you. So that's what you believe. Baptism saves. So you're baptized. Well, that's good. But then if that's all you ever read and you don't read the whole of Scripture, mm-hmm. maybe you don't appreciate just how significant of an ongoing project repentance is. Right. So you say, hey, I was baptized. But somebody else says, well, yeah, that's, that's essential. Like, if you're not baptized, you're not going to be saved. But uh, you also have to be constantly repenting and right. confessing your sins to God and praying. So that's pretty important. And by the way, none of this stuff is possible apart from God's grace because it's by grace we've been saved through faith. Well, if I don't know that and I'm just I, I'm just reading the verses that I'm reading or I'm reading the Bible, the parts that I'm reading, I understand, I may never discover some things that somebody else may be able to enlighten me on doctrinally right. that may be pretty crucial right. for my understanding of what it means to live life in the kingdom and to please God and to obey God and all that kind of stuff. Right, I think so. And, and the same thing goes for prayer, too, right? Um, you know, it ought to be that uh, we're devoting ourselves to, uh, to prayer. Um, just between me and God, I need to be talking to God. Um, privately. Personally. Privately, yeah, personally and on my own. It's also true, though, I think, and you see this here um, in verse 42. Some translations have translated this more, literate, more literally um, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Um, and we're all being yeah. emphasis there, right? Yeah, and actually, in in chapter three and verse one, we see that uh, that the disciples actually had hours of prayer set aside. They had times of prayer set aside where they could come and entreat the Lord and ask the Lord for help. Um, and, and 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 it seems like they're doing it together. Peter and John are going up to the temple together to pray um, at the hour of prayer, and so. Uh, I would say the same thing is true about prayer. Like, I need to be devoted to prayer. I need to be spending time alone in prayer in my closet, as Jesus says, not to be seen of men, but to, but to do it privately. That's how I really know that I'm devoted to the Lord and care about the Lord, because nobody else can see it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. But, it's not a show. Right. But it's also true. I mean, I, I have benefited a great deal, and you can probably testify to this too, from coming together with other godly men and women and praying together with them and um, devoting ourselves to, to, to prayers together. Even sometimes setting aside an hour or a day where we you know, say this is going to be devoted to prayer 
and coming together. Um, that, that does a few things. One, it reorients me. It helps me to, to, uh, to, 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 to get my mind on God and see God as he really is. Um, which then, of course, also leads me to, to think more clearly and, and truly about myself, um, to see things within myself that I, maybe you're not right with God, to kind of get sometimes, you know, when we're not in prayer, we can get an inflated ego. We can start to think of ourselves too highly, and prayer quickly kind of puts me back in my place and reminds me who I am. But also, like, it gets me out of myself. Like, if I'm only praying alone um, and I'm only praying in private, um, it, it, it may be easy for me to just think about my own needs and what I believe God needs, I want God to do for me and helping me. Um, praying with, with one another actually makes me more kingdom focused, more thoughtful about the needs of the people around me and not just uh, uh, of my own needs, which again, both are important. Um, I ought to be praying for the things that I need from God. That ought to be important to me and I ought to be praying pri- privately, um, but actually coming together and praying sometimes enlightens me and opens my eyes to see um, the needs of uh, other people and, and to pray more carefully for them. Which there's some pretty critical junctures in the book of Acts where that happens. Yeah, we already right. looked last time in chapter 1 when Jesus sent them back to wait for the Spirit. Chapter 1 and verse 14 says they were all with one mind were continually devoting themselves yep. to prayer along with the women and everybody. It was like this whole group that was devoted to prayer. Chapter 4, we're going to see they get arrested. And when they get out, they go and find their brethren and they pray. And verse 31 says, when they had prayed together, I'm inserting that, but you know from the story they were praying together. 31, when they had prayed, the place where they gathered was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And then one other comes to my mind, at least, in chapter 12, where Peter, I mean, kind of the guy that everybody was looking up to and trusting in and all that, he gets arrested and is scheduled for execution. Yep. And there they are gathered for prayer. Yep. And Jesus. And I mean, just to add to, I, I really like what you're saying. Spending time in prayer, both as a personal devotion and as a communal devotion, it, like you said, it gets us out of ourselves. It humbles me, all that stuff. And it makes me think about other people. Mm-hmm. It really lines me up with God. Right. It, it's just right. getting my heart in line with God's heart, which is what conversation with people you love does. That's when you right. listen to them, reading the word, studying the word, considering the word, and you speak to them, prayer in this case, it lines you up in that relationship. Also, God shows up. I mean, that's what, like, in every one of these examples in in the book of Acts, when they get together and pray, God shows up in some way, shape, or form. And they didn't always know what that was. I mean, like in that story in Acts 12, where Peter was in prison, they don't, like, a girl says, hey, Peter's outside, and they're like, yeah, whatever. And they just keep on praying. Mm -hmm. They didn't think their prayers were going to get him released. They were just praying, but God did something for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a powerful testament to whenever we spend time in prayer, God's going to show up in some way, shape, or form. That may be personal change in my character. It may be something in my circumstance. That's not guaranteed, but it could happen. There's things that change in the world because people are praying. It may be something hard, too, right? In uh, in Acts 13, while they're worshiping and fasting, uh, and I would assume part of that worship sure. is prayer, right? Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit says, hey, set aside Barnabas and Saul to the work I've called them, and he sends them out in mission. Yeah. Um, and Bye. I think that's part of it too, right? You were saying uh, prayer. part of prayer is, is, is drawing my heart back into the will of God. Um, Jesus says, uh, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, God's kingdom is, in, is coming and his will is being done in heaven. The question is, is his will being done in me? Is his kingdom, has his kingdom come in my heart? 
And, and so coming together and praying helps me to realize, wait, there's work for me to do. I need to be serving. I need to be working. I need to be involved, engaging in this kingdom service, acting like a kingdom citizen and, and doing the will of the king. So, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think all this stuff, um, whether it's this kind of portrait of living life together and these spiritual disciplines that really are kind of the foundation for that life together. The only reason they live their life together is because they shared this teaching. And I think you and I have seen this in our own selves and other people. Groups of God's people that are most tightly knit, that there's the deepest love and there's the greatest commitment to one another, are the ones that are most grounded in Scripture, that devote themselves to prayer, that are partaking of the, the supper every week and reflecting on the death of Jesus and what it means to their life. That's what actually informs all the life together stuff. Mm-hmm. We sell our stuff because Jesus sold Himself out on the cross. We remember That's that right. every time we take the bread and the cup. That's so right. of course I got to give to others because Jesus gave Himself to me. Um, I'm gonna sp- I want to spend all the time that I can with these people because I know what God's done in the world. And I'm reading Scripture and I can't. I'm trying to talk to my neighbors about this, but they don't want to talk about it. But my brethren do. So right. hey, look at this thing I found in Scripture. It's changing my life. What do you think about this? You know. All these things um, are interconnected and related, uh, kind of necessary parts of each other. They flow into each other. That's right. And, and right, we love because Christ first loved us, because the Lord first loved us. And, and so if it's going to be a Christ-centered community, it's Christ who's informing us. It's Christ who's in teaching us. It's Christ who's showing us how to love one another. If we ever lose that foundation of devotion to the Word, to prayer, to the breaking of bread... Um, you know those things. The, the, the whole the whole sharing and fellowship eventually is gonna is gonna crumble. It's gonna fall apart. Those are kind of the, the foundational stones on which this uh, this family is built. And we've seen that, right? I mean, we see that right here in Brooklyn. I mean, big big part of the good things that God is doing here. Um, a big part of what we what we've seen it comes from people getting together and devoting themselves to the Word, and not just on uh, Sundays when the whole church comes together, but uh, people opening their homes or their apartments or uh, or meeting in local coffee shops and stuff and gathering together and they're in the Word, they're in prayer together. They're just sharing about life together. Um, there's something about all of that that, that that kind of glues us and holds us together and, 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 uh, and helps us. That's how we get to know one another so that when each other's in need, we can take care of one another and we can help one another and we can actually love and, and, and serve in real tangible ways um, yeah well and I think like you're saying uh, or like we've been saying looking at this whole deal I think over the years one of the saddest things that often comes up and I don't know how often it seems like about every week we're meeting somebody and the conversation goes something like this I really love my church there's a lot of cool people they have a neat small group program like I've got a lot of friends but nobody really teaches the Bible there, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm not learning anything about Christ there. Mm-hmm. Or there's a lot of pettiness in the small groups. You know, there's these fights or divisions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, what do you do? Well, we just get together and eat. Well, there's no, never, like, prayer time. No, we don't really pray together, you know. Or we'll, oh, be, or we'll be reading a book about the Bible sure. rather than actually reading yeah, yeah. the Bible itself. Yeah, know? yeah. And, I'm not, I, and I, I get, I appreciate some of the motivations, I think, of some of those efforts. It's... Let's try to just get people together and kind of like the magic happens when everybody gets together. But this text shows you can't you can't just hang out mm-hmm. and hope to love God because of that. Because if we're just hanging, the world just hangs out, 
So that's no different. Like if we don't have this fundamental orientation toward God, then all that other stuff isn't going to make a difference. Just like people who also come to us and are like, I've been reading the Bible a lot, but I'm still struggling in sin. We're like, well, what's going on at your church? Or what's your church like? Oh, I don't, I don't go to church. I'm not a part of a church. I just kind of mm-hmm. read the Bible and pray on my own. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's probably... Look, if, if there's circumstances where people literally cannot get to other disciples, that we're going to see that in Acts, that happens. Mm-hmm. But if you're intentionally refusing to... Uh, if you're neglecting the assembling of yourselves or forsaking that, you're going to struggle. Yeah, you know, you you're not, you're not going to be a disciple that way. You can't become like God, right? I mean, yeah. God is God is a relational being, and we are created to be relational beings. And the kind of love that has existed forever between the Father, Son, and Spirit is what God is entering, is letting us become a part of. I mean, that's what Jesus prays in the garden, right? That they may learn to be one as we are one. And that's the whole purpose of all this, right? I mean, the reason why God creates this church is so that they may become one. These people who are different from different nations, they've come together, but they're they're working together and loving one another and becoming one. And and that's God's whole goal with all this. So if we if we miss this part of like community and and uh, and fellow if we miss that, then we've missed like We've missed the whole thing. Like we missed what God is really up to in the world and what God is really trying to accomplish. And so it, it, I think this is important for us because uh, there's everything in our culture fights against this, right? Um, and, and, uh, and pushes us against f- feeling like this is an important part of, of growing in Christ. But the Bible is, is saying otherwise. Like, I mean, it's not just here in Acts. You'll see in Hebrews he talks about encouraging one another day after day, as long as it's still called today. So none of you is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And, and this is an important part of growing up in Christ is learning to live life together, letting people into your life, not just so that they can build you up, but also so that you can build them up, so that you can be Jesus to other people and learn to love them and serve them uh, as he loved and served you. One last thing. Uh, I think we may have alluded to this before we kind of land the plane. You may have some other things you want to add on to this, but... To back it up, we've been talking about the culture of the kingdom, but in order to gain access to the kingdom in the first place, you got to back up to verses 36 through 41, mm-hmm. where Peter preaches the gospel of Jesus. People say, wow, we're sinners, we're dead men, what shall we do? And he says, you need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, it doesn't matter how many Bible verses you learn, how many prayers you pray, it doesn't matter if you were with other uh, if you were with disciples 24-7, selling all your possessions, all that stuff would mean nothing if you haven't made your life right with God. And entered into the kingdom. That's right. right. Like by bowing your knee before King Jesus, believing in his rule, repenting of your sin and yourself, and turning and saying, whatever you want, Jesus, that's what I'm going to do, and being baptized into him. It starts with getting your sins forgiven. All this other stuff about the culture of the kingdom won't mean a bit of anything yeah. if you don't first get that piece right in terms of your relationship with God. I think we kind of probably, we've talked about that vaguely in previous podcasts and in this one, but it's probably important to drill that down. That's where it all starts. And if you're listening and you're like, oh, cool, so I need to find some Christians to hang out with. I need to read my Bible. I need to come to a Bible study group, which, by the way, we'd love for you to do that. Let us know. We can get you connected. we got all kinds of those here in Brooklyn. But that's not going to save you, and that's not going to change your life. That's not going to make you better if you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've never repented and turned to Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus as Lord. Right. Church is not going to save you. The kingdom is not going to save you. 
Jesus right. is the only one who will do that. And what we're seeing here is just the beginning of of this walk in Christ, right? You turn away from your sin, you, you're baptized in, in the name of Jesus. And, and now these disciplines are like how we learn to walk right. in Christ, how we learn to walk worthy of his calling. And it's, it's the spirit breathing life into his people through, uh, through this devotion to the word and through, this, um, through the fellowship and through the breaking of bread and through prayers. It is, it is connecting with God's spirit and connecting with who God is and helping us to grow up into the image of Christ, right? I mean, this is not just about, um, you know, avoiding punishment. This is about entering into a new family that's an eternal family through which I'm going to have a relationship with God and I'm going to be part of his community and, and learn to love God and love his people and, and serve them for the rest of my days. And so, you know, these are the these are the building blocks, the the, the beginning points at which, we, by devoting ourselves to these, we can start walking that direction. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you have any questions, or if we can help you any with maybe some of these things, you're saying, man, I need some help in figuring out some of these elements of uh, kingdom culture, and I want to become a part of the kingdom of God. I want to serve God. I want to be saved from my sins. I need to believe in Jesus in the first place. I'm not sure I believe in that. Whatever it is you may be uh, wondering about or needing in your life, let us know. Reach out to us. And uh, we're really happy that you're listening and hope we can help you out any way further. Catch you next time. The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.